Hey, God bless you. It's so good to be with you. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, these next several weeks. We're going to be going uh, and listening to some messages that I've had an opportunity to preach recently. And I know that it'll encourage you. And this first message is from a Wednesday night at our home church, the Springs Church in Jacksonville. And uh, it's a message that I know this from the Lord. It's about God seeing and your Heavenly Father knowing. The Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart completely belongs to him. And my prayer through this message that you would be encouraged and blessed and that you'll know that your God sees, your Heavenly Father knows. Well, I love you and God bless you real good. pray this message encourages you. This is Sean and the Word. Amen. He is so good. Tell me to Matthew chapter 6. Tonight's message is a word from heaven. I know it is, not just for myself, but I know it's a word from heaven for you. A God who sees, a Father who knows. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and 33, very familiar portion of scripture that I have aligned, underlined, highlighted, re-highlighted, and underlined again throughout the years. Verse 32, it says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek, or in the uh, NIV it says, runs after all these things. But for you, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And look at verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You have a God who sees, a Father who knows. In 2022, I think it's high time that we don't just hear these words. They become our identity. They become a realization to our walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we adore you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and it's active. We thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are. You promised, God, that you would make a way. And Lord, we ask that in this place, in this space, God, that you'll do it. Jesus, you said that our Father knows. He knows what we need. I pray in this place, at this time, that will be made known. Oh God, would you have your way in this place? Spirit of living God, would you have your way in this house? Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are very needy people. Very needy. Matter of fact, we're so needy, we see things on Facebook, on Instagram, on the commercial television, on YouTube. We see things that we need that we didn't even know we needed. I had to travel around last month. I got to travel around last month to share in some churches and to fellowship with some supporters of Psalm 67 Ministries. And as we were in one of the towns, we went into this this little store. It was a running store. As you know, I'm taking up running. (laughs) No, really, I'm not. 
I'm just kidding. I'm not taking up running. So we just, I don't know how we ended up in the running store. We ended up in the running store. And one of the things I saw in the running store that looked like it would fit me was a, one of these, it looked like a machine gun, but it had a thing on the end that was a massager. My wife picked it up and she turned it on and put it against my back. And I'm like, I didn't even know I needed that. I said, I need this. Man, I, could you get here? And I'm like, I really, oh, and we're in the store. And I can imagine I would have paid $10 to watch my, that scenario happen. You know, this big guy, this little woman, she, it had to be hilarious to watch. And this is taking place. It's hilarious. And I'm like, man, I, Lynn, find out how much this thing is and put it in the box and let's go. She says, how much, uh, excuse me, how much is this? They said, $199. I said, let me put it back on the shelf. $199. I said, let's get out of here. I really don't need that. It almost convinced me, but you know, I'm a little tight. It did not convince me that much. But man, you see these things. I don't, it's like they read your mind. It's crazy. Pillows for your couch. I'm like, I was just thinking I needed a new pillow for my couch. Man, I was thinking I needed a new dolphin jersey until they lost it that Sunday. Then they don't have that no more. Man, he's like, I didn't even know I needed this. And it's like, man, the, the, the advertisement reveals some things that we either think we need or we really genuinely need. It's like we, we come to the conclusion in 2022 that we are desperately in need. And what happens is we come to the understanding we're basically consumers. Consumers simply living to try to fulfill and meet those needs. In the book of Matthew, Matthew authors his book to reveal that this king is coming and he's coming to establish a kingdom. A kingdom that is present but not yet. A kingdom that is, that is available but not yet fulfilled. And Jesus comes and he's preaching in power. He's preaching in this anointing. And he begins to draw a crowd on the Sermon on the Mount. And the crowd that he drawn was common folk. Was people that were hurting. That were broken. That were oppressed by the Roman government that weighed them down with rules and regulations and, and, and taxes and and oppression. And then weighed down by the religious elite of the Jews. They said they weren't good enough. They, they didn't give enough. They could never be good enough. And they were weighed down with the burden of, of being isolated and separated from God Almighty. They walked with this burden, this heaviness. And Jesus comes and with the Sermon on the Mount to these folk who were in need. And he begins to give them an exchange. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are persecuted. He began to say, look, I, I see what you're going through. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're encountering. I know your need. And I've come to give you an exchange. And in chapter 6, he talks about this journey of righteousness, these righteous acts as people and people of God that's a part of the kingdom of God. He talks about praying and fasting and giving, oh my. <laughs> but 
But then he gets down to don't worry about your life. Again, he wants to reiterate to those who are heavy laden and downtrodden. He wants to reiterate to those who have been given and given and given and seemingly hasn't been receiving. He wants to remind them of a truth that will set them free. And we see that in verses 32 and 33. It's a deep contrast. He says in verse 32, for the Gentiles or for the pagans, the non-believers, they run after a life of consumerism. They eagerly seek to exist to simply make it. Their life as a non-believer, as pagans, is made up of work, 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 get, 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 go, 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 have, have, have. And he says, but that's not you. There's a contrast that he says here, but that's not you. You, children of God, you citizens of the kingdom of God, you people that are sold and set apart by the God of all creation, that are brought under his, his wings by the covenant of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, through faith. But you, in verse 33, you seek, you continuously seek his kingdom, which is yes and amen, which is present but not yet, His kingdom is not necessarily just this tangible street, these tangible buildings that we one day will behold. But it's the place of yes and amen where his authority sets, where his dominion, his power, his reign. You live, you seek his kingdom. You live in submission to his rule and his authority. You live as citizens of the king. This is what you seek. This is what your life's made of. And his righteousness. Notice it didn't say your righteousness because two other times up to this point, Jesus said, man, if you want to be righteous, your righteousness is going to have to be way better than those who are oppressing you. Way better than those Pharisees. And man, they're pretty looking righteous. They look pretty righteous. So basically it's a play on words saying that it ain't going to happen. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own ability. There's not enough services. There's not enough scripture for you to be able to adhere to this on your own. The Bible says our very best is like filth and rags. But Jesus Christ, him who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf so that we could be made the righteousness of God. We seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. What Jesus is saying in terminology is communion. Enjoy the king. Enjoy your savior. You seek something different. You serve someone different. Your life is made up of not an agenda of self and what you can get, but it's of him and what he can do in you and through you. How do we get to that point? How do we get to the place where there's this change? Because I catch myself time and time again like, oh, I need that. Oh, man, I I really, man, things got to change. I catch myself 
being more than a consumer, but being worried about what I don't have. Bothered about where I am. Really struggling about what I'm going through. Fearful about what's next. I really catch myself captivated by my circumstances. And Jesus says that cannot be the identity of the citizens of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God folk are seeking him, seeking his righteousness. But yeah, how do we get to that? I believe that there's a statement that fringes in the middle of the contrast of the Gentiles and the believers that is the very key to us walking and living how he desires for us to walk and live. Jesus says simply this, your father knows what you need. Did you hear me? Your heavenly father knows what you need. The word there in the Greek is a beautiful word. It's ido. And what it means is it's not this gnosis. Gnosis would be that full knowledge that God is omniscient. He knows everything. That there is nothing that he has not knowledge of. That he is all powerful. He is all knowing. That's, that's not what this word says. This word is an intimate word. It's not a doctrinal statement. It's not something that you can hang on your wall or put in your pocket. It's relational terminology. What this word means is that he has seen, he has perceived, and he comes up to the knowledge of. Now, you have to listen to me. I'm not saying that God lacks knowledge and he has to look intimately in order to gain knowledge. This is... This is a human terminology to help us understand that God's intimately involved in your situation. But the word does not just mean gnosis, a doctrinal statement. It means that he has saw and he saw to the point that he knows what you need. The two work together. That he's been intimately acquainted with your situation. He has been heavenly involved in your circumstances to the point he knows exactly what you need. Jesus uses other words when talking about fasting, when talking about giving, when talking about praying. He says in giving, check this out, in giving in the first part of chapter 6, he says this. God sees us in our giving in verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who what? Sees what is done in secret will reward you. He's saying that, you know, nothing's hidden from God. It ain't like he's going to come to the place where, oh, aha, uh-huh, look, you're trying to hide that. What, he's tr- what it's saying is that he is ever present in your journey day in and day out. He is intimately involved in your walk and in your relationship with him. And when he sees the motives of your heart, when he sees the actions of your life, then you see the reward. He rewards you. Six times in 16 verses, he uses that reward, that word reward. God's wanting to give you what you need. God's wanting to meet your needs. God's wanting to bless you. He's intimately involved. He's not going to give you 
what you need before you need it. Because then you'll waste it. He sees you in your giving. Look at this. He sees you in your praying. A lot of us think that, man, God's all about hearing me. Prayer's about hearing. Prayer is much of a posture of faith than anything. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He sees you in your praying. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Make it intimate. Making it personal. I'm touching base with my God the Father. I'm getting alone with him. He alone is my source. See, that's a posture. You know what happens behind closed doors if you're married, amen? Stuff that don't happen in front on the table, amen? <laughs> Close your door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who what? Sees what is done in secret rewards you. He's talking about prayer. He's not talking about what he hears. He's talking about how you're acting. He's involved in this situation. He knows what you're going through. He knows who you're leaning on. He knows who you're depending on. Look at this. Not only that, but it sees in your fasting. We're coming up on fasting. We're going to try to hide dollar it, and we're going to try to fool a lot of people. But you know who we can't fool? It says this in Matthew chapter 6, continuing in our fastings. So that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see a pattern here? Jesus is telling these people who are broken, who are hurting, who are distant. He's saying God sees. He sees what no one else sees. He sees you turning to him. He sees you depending on him. He sees you relying on him. He sees what you need. And he's more than willing and more than able to meet that need. He has perceived your situation. And he knows what you need. This is the God who sees, the God who knows. This is a father who understands where we are. As I was praying for this, the Lord brought to my mind Hagar. Hagar struggled with so much. Hagar endured so much conflict that was really honestly not even her fault. All she did was simply obey Sarah. Sarah asked to help her out. Sarah is the one that came up with the plot, with the, with the plan. She was overlooked. Hagar was overlooked. Hagar was spoken ill of. Hagar uh, is usually the, the spoken bad about in sermons and in teachings. She gets a bad rap. But all she did was obey her maid, Sarah. And it says in Genesis chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. He gave her permission. You can do whatever you want to Hagar. Whatever you want, I'm not going to stop you. Do what's best. Look what she does. So Sarai treated her harshly, and Hagar fled from her presence. She was so broken, so crushed and overwhelmed. She's pregnant. She's, she's in need. She's like, why is she doing this to me? Why is she treating me like this? Harsh. Overlooked disrespected 
And she goes and she's hiding. She's wishing she was dead. Wishing that she had never even existed or never even met Sarah, never even got in this situation. Look at where my choices had brought me. Empty, destitute, broken. But look what she finds out in verse 13. The Bible says the Lord appeared unto her and the Lord began to give her a promise. See, everyone else rejected her. Everyone else thought bad about her. Everyone else wanted to treat her harshly. But you know who didn't? You know who didn't overlook her? You know who didn't treat her harshly? You know who didn't forget about her? You know who never talked ill about Hagar? The Lord. He shows up in her brokenness, in her mess. And this is what she says in verse 13. She says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. She named the Lord this. She says, you are a God who sees. You are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. You're the God who is intimately involved in my situation. You're a God who is forever acquainted with my circumstances. You see me in my brokenness and you don't overlook me. You don't pass by me. When everyone else is rejecting me, when everyone else don't want anything to do with me, you see, Father, you know, this is our God. This is our Jesus. This is what Jesus is conveying to these believers that are listening, that has been pushed down, that has been hurt, that has been overwhelmed, that he is not changing He's the same yesterday as he is today and that he'll be forever. He's the God who sees. He's the heavenly father who knows. He knows what you're going through. He sees those tears. He knows those brokenness. He knows those hours of trouble, those moments of worry, that that hectic, frantic. He knows. He sees. He's not passing you by. The Lord didn't forsake her. The Lord didn't reject her. The Lord didn't overlook her. Nor will he do you tonight. Nor will he pass you by this night. Nor will he turn you back. He sees you right where you are this night. He knows what you need. Another place the Lord showed me when I was praying for this. Is in Ezekiel chapter 16. This talks about the children of Israel. The children of Israel had gone through so much time and time again. So much hardship, so much difficulty, so much trouble. and They just, some of it was their own fault, but a lot of it was just persecution from those who hated God. Look at the Lord's testimony to what he did for Israel. Ezekiel chapter 16 says this. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with any water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in clothes. No eye looked on you with pity to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown 
out into an open field. For you were aboard on the day you were born. But when I passed by, I saw you. The Lord said, I saw you. When no one else wanted you. When everyone else rejected you. I saw you. Squirming in your own blood. And I said to you while you were in your own blood, live. Yes, I said to you while you were in your own blood, live. This isn't just the testimony of Israel. This is Sean Miles' testimony. I was dead in my transgressions and sin. I was far away from the things of God. I was an enemy of God. God did not pass me by, but he came to me and he said, live, 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 live. He loves you. He saw you. He saw you. He saw you where you were. He knows what you need. And his word for you tonight is live, live, live. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall have the God life he intends for them. Admitting that you, man, I'm dead in my sins. I'm in my own blood. Everyone's overlooked me, God. Believing that you see me where I am, oh Lord. And responding, committing your life to him. Yes, God, let me walk in the newness. Let me walk in the understanding you are my God. But us as children, us as people of God, citizens of the kingdom, we've experienced this. We've experienced the life. But yet as Jesus was trying to convey to those who were going through day-to-day struggles, he was trying to implant something so deep inside of them that it would walk out in them. Your father sees. He knows. And he's not going to just stay on the sideline. He wants to reward you. He wants to make it happen even now. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31, 32. Paul came to this understanding that God saw him on the road to Damascus. And look at what he wrote. Romans chapter 8, it says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God the Father is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered us, delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? How is he going to withhold anything from us when he knows what we need? He's a God who sees. He's a heavenly Father who answers. The Lord saw Hagar broken, despondent, crushed down, and he came to her, gave her what she needed, a promise from heaven. God saw Moses running from his own country because he was a fugitive for killing the Egyptian. He's not, he's shepherding not even his own sheep. He's shepherding his father-in-law's sheep at 80 years old. 
The Bible says that that bush was burning. We don't know how long that bush was burning, but there was a day where Moses saw it and he came to it. And the Bible says that when the Lord saw Moses come into the bush, God came and called him. I see what you're doing now. I see you want me. I, I see that you're no longer satisfied with consumerism. I see that you want something more. Called him out of his fugitive lifestyle at 80 years old. A man who had nothing, a loser in the eyes of the world, but God. But God saw, knew what he needed. Then he tells him, I see the affliction and the pain of my children Israel and Egypt. I see their groaning and their hurt. And I've come down to rescue them. He saw Leah. The Bible says the Lord looked at Leah and she was barren and not loved. God came down and caused her to be pregnant with her husband. Caused her to be prosperous and loved, accepted. Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus was walking with his disciples after seeing a great move as only he would see. And it says he looked up and he saw a crowd. He saw them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were dispirited, disheartened, and pushed down. The Bible says he had compassion. God who sees. You have a heavenly father who knows. You don't have to live like the world trying to do it on your own. Looking at your own resources of how you're going to make it. Depending on the tangible. You have a miracle way making God. You have a God that is supernaturally involved in your life and your situation. He is intimately looking where you are, what you need. And Jesus says he knows. He knows what you need. He knows it. word from heaven tonight as we approach this time as your God sees he sees your struggle he sees your need he sees your fears he sees your worries he sees your hardships he sees your loneliness
good God. What a good God who knows and sees. Well, I love you and I pray God continues to bless you real good. See you next time on Sean and the Word.